Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Empowered Podcast, and we are wrapping up our third week of the Intuitive Eating April series. We've already gone over so much already, but we are not done. We still have more intuitive eating specialists to talk to, and today is no exception. Today on the podcast, I have Emily Vasquez, who is a registered dietitian, and she specializes in helping women ditch chronic dieting so they can transform their relationship with food, along with rebuilding trust with their body so they can live their lives free from food obsession. Does this sound familiar or what? Do you guys, are you guys noticing this pattern with learning about intuitive eating? It's all about ditching chronic dieting and learning to rebuild that trust and stop obsessing over food. That's why intuitive eating is so amazing, but it is a process. So that's why I am here to do this series so I can give you all the tools that you need. But if you do need a little um, extra help and accountability, um, two things you can do. One, you already know, join my Facebook empowerment community where we are, you know, diving a little deeper into intuitive eating, where you can ask as many questions as you want. You can be surrounded by like-minded individuals and just have somewhere to go to and learn from that is completely free. So if you want to be part of that community, go to bit.ly slash FB. You can also go to the link in my show notes to join as well. Or if you are looking for even more accountability and support because you really want to take this intuitive eating journey seriously, I highly recommend reaching out to work with me and do some one-on-one coaching and I will give you all the tools and accountability and support that you need because I've gone through this process myself. I've been, I was a chronic dieter for so many years, starting at such a young age. And two years ago when I found intuitive eating, it was literally so life-changing. And it is so amazing to see the transformation that I've made. And I had to do it all by myself. So imagine how much faster you can make um, this transformation and how you can ditch diets and that diet mentality forever. And all you really need is a coach. So if you are ready to take that step and ditch the diet mentality, find peace with food and really learn to trust your body, feel free to message me on Instagram at this is Miranda Lee or send me an email. My email is this is Miranda Lee at gmail.com. All right, so today, like I said, we're talking with Emily Vasquez, and we're really going to be going over how to rebuild that trust with your body. We're also going to be talking about what a set weight point is and how to achieve that, and we're just going to dive a little bit deeper into intuitive eating in general, like, like some misconceptions about intuitive eating, some myths, and there's just a lot of good good little nuggets in this conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey you guys, welcome to the Empowered Podcast hosted by your girl, Miranda Lee. I hope you're ready to get confident, throw away the all or nothing mindset, fully surrender to God and strive to be 1% better every day. Don't forget, you are enough. 
you are worthy and you are loved. Alrighty, let's get this party started. Hello, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, it's going to be so great talking about, you know, intuitive eating and learning how to really trust your body. But before we dive into that, can you introduce yourself and tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Yes. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Emily Vasquez. I'm a reg- registered dietitian, um, also known as the Intuitive Eating RD on Instagram. You may know me as Emmy's Yummies. Um, yeah, so I've been working with women to help them improve their relationship with food through intuitive eating and really showing people how to develop food freedom after a period of restriction, chronic dieting, um, because, you know, that is, I mean, who wouldn't want to live free from those diet rules? Can you um, explain um, for our listeners, I guess, why intuitive eating isn't just another diet? I like to say it's more of like a self-care practice, um, you know, a lifestyle change. So how would, how would you explain it? Yeah, so intuitive eating, it really is a non-diet approach to health and wellness. You know, it's a way to fuel your body without diet rules. You're not counting calories. You're not tracking macros. You're not like really obsessing about trying to find the perfect diet. And, you know, intuitive eating really is getting back to listening to your body's physical and mental hunger cues, which so many people are so far removed from these days, because I mean, I think a lot of people have just normalized, um, dieting and, you know, being really, um, I guess, tracking everything to the point where not many people really know how to trust their bodies around food because of all these rules and diet culture mentality. So ultimately intuitive eating is what would be, uh, what we would consider as normal eating if diet culture did not exist. Mm, I like that. That's, that's so true. I, Cause we, I feel like we were born in intuitive eaters. Definitely. Um, we, you know, we have hunger cues for a reason. Our body does amazing things and it tells us when we need maybe certain types of food, when we're hungry, when we're full and diet culture has really taught us to ignore that with, you know, counting calories, counting macros and, you know, being like, Oh, well, I, I just ate an hour ago. If, I have these hunger cues, I have to ignore them because I can't eat for another one, two, three hours. Um, So what do you, what advice do you have for, I guess, first steps for learning how to retrust your body? Because so many of us have gone, you know, five, 10, 15 years, just learning how to tune out um, what our body is trying to tell us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that's a really um, hard process that many people come to face is like, wanting to jump into intuitive eating after following all these diet rules for so many years to the point where you're you're just like intuitive eating can be very intimidating because, you know, you look at you, like if you read, if you read the book and you like, look at all the principles, you're just like, okay, that sounds pretty simple. But when you actually go to try to listen to your body, there's all these food rules and shoulds and shouldn'ts kind of going on through your head where you're just not really sure how to fully trust your body without it resulting in binge eating or like fear, fear of losing control around food. Um, some people have that, um, have trouble giving themselves full permission with food. So they give themselves some permission with food of like, I'm going to allow myself to have certain types of foods, but only in certain amounts or not, not really like listening to how much my body's truly wanting. And so 
we really have to address those food rules and negative food beliefs first before we can approach intuitive eating in a really more more of a neutral stance. Yeah, it's definitely <clears throat> definitely a, a process. Um, so I know I think one of the main reasons why people probably don't want to start intuitive eating is because um, they're probably scared of any possible weight gain. Um, I know with intuitive eating, it's all about like finding that set weight point and where your body is most naturally comfortable at. For some people I've noticed, you know, they will naturally lose weight, especially if they were really into binge eating. When they learn to intuitive eat, their body might have a lower set point than where they were. While other people, if they spent most of their life restricting, it might be, um, you know, a higher weight than what they're used to. So can you explain exactly what a set point is for our weight and why it's okay to, to trust our body and let it get to that weight instead of trying to be like, oh no, I have to be a hundred and such and such pounds and I have to stay there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't know, a set point weight is pretty much, I like to think about it more about. Ab- more as like a range of where your body naturally falls when you're not dieting. So if you never went on a diet, your body would probably be at a point where it just naturally falls without you having to strictly control it. Um, And so this range can range between anywhere from like five to 15 pounds, give or take, because our bodies do change over the course of our lifetime. And, um, you know, many people fear what this set point weight is because they're so used to trying to maintain a certain weight, body size, where they're preventing themselves from being at that set point weight. So um, with intuitive eating, yes, it is true that some people do gain weight if they, if they, if their bodies truly do need to, if they're underweight, Um, some people maintain their weight, no change at all. And then some people do lose weight um, as a result of truly listening to their body again. And so we need to remember too, that like being at your set point weight is going to be the weight that you can live your life without having food and exercise really kind of be at the core of everything. And it's probably the weight too, that you're going to be living your most fulfilled life. So is this set point something, um, that we should expect to kind of maintain, or is this set point something that can change maybe with age or phases in our life? Uh, what can we kind of expect if, you know, we've been doing this intuitive eating and maybe we end up gaining weight or losing weight after thinking that we found our set point. Yeah. So obviously with intuitive eating too, I try not to make like weight the focus. Like I don't encourage people to like weigh themselves. However, it is really important to understand that yes, your set point weight will change. So like your set point weight in middle school and then college will not be the same set point weight that you have as an adult, because yes, bodies do go through changes, um, whether it be like, you know, you go through pregnancy and your body changes after that, or you um, start a new exercise program, your set point, may, set point weight may change from that. And so, you know, it's really, you know, we try to shift the focus from not being about weights, but more about just like accepting your body and being more body neutral as we do know that like bodies will change over the course of your life. Yes. Yes. I I agree with that. It's, it's so true. We can't expect to be at the same weight our entire life, which is probably why, you know, a lot of people 
were a smaller version of themselves in high school. And then people get upset when they don't fit their high school genes or that they don't look the same as they were as they did when they were a younger age. And yeah, it's probably because our body is going through changes. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people were super duper active in high school where they were like on five different sports teams. So of course, you're going to, you know, be smaller if that was your entire life, if you didn't have a full-time job, a family, you didn't have to cook for yourself. Um, you know, maybe you didn't fully develop and go through pu- puberty yet. So, you know, all these things to consider. Um, one of the things that you said that I really liked is like with intuitive eating, we're not supposed to be focusing on weight. And that's so different than, you know, what these diets are telling us and the point of us going on these diets. So, um, what are some mindset shifts that we should really make in the beginning of our intuitive eating journey? So, you know, we can kind of go into it with the right frame of mind and we, so we don't feel like we're, we're failing because, you know, we're not getting the same results as we'd get from a diet or what society says we're supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when you start this journey towards healing your relationship with food you really have to be as open-minded as possible to the process because they're unlike dieting. There's not going to be these like measurements that you're able to track your progress with. What we can typically track progress with is your mindset. Like, how are you feeling as a result of, you know, not stressing about food as much? Like, what are you gaining back in your life as a result of, you know, not having food or exercise or a fixation on your body? Um, what other things are you gaining as a result of that? So you may notice that you have more energy, um, you're sleeping better, your digestion's better. You may notice that you have more energy to like socialize and like invest that time into like relationships. And, you know, when it comes to changes that could be happening within your body, you know, again, also really keeping an open mind to that as well. Like you might have to go in with the expectation and, realize that yes, my body may change as a result of this, but I also need to remind myself that my body is not the one thing in my life that dictates my worth. And there's so much more to life than trying to, you know, maintain something that's going to be unrealistic for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that advice. Um, when it comes to like the 10 principles, I guess, of intuitive eating, Um, I guess I have two questions. One is, are the 10 principles like an order that you want to approach intuitive eating, I guess? Because I know like number 10 is gentle nutrition. And I feel like you don't want to focus on that aspect until, you know, you're like challenging the food police, learning your fullness, um, discovering the satisfaction factor and stuff like that. So is that an order that we should consider or is it, does this order not matter? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've started working with somebody who they immediately want to know how to implement gentle nutrition or they like, they want to use gentle nutrition first thing as they start to, you know, embark on this journey. However, a lot of people that come to start work with me, they're kind of developing these like, or they've had developed these kind of orthorexic tendencies where they're, they want to be the healthiest versions of themselves. And so 
while gentle nutrition and like learning how to be balanced is like the end goal of like what intuitive eating can bring you. Um, I think it's really important to focus on the other principles first. And that's probably why that is the last principle, because, you know, if you're not addressing the relationship with food that you currently have and like challenging the food police and like really making peace with food and learning to respect your body, you know, we can't get to a point where we can approach gentle nutrition in a way that's not going to be you know, kind of, um, around those food rules that you may currently have. And so, um, when I start working with clients, I typically like to, you know, address those food rules, the food beliefs first, um, and then kind of take baby steps to, you know, through the steps of intuitive eating so we can eventually come back to the point where you can approach gentle nutrition in a way that's not going to be, um, I guess the creation of more food rules. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I like that. So then what do you think keeps people back from having a healthy relationship with food? So, I mean, there's a lot of things. I mean, we, if you think about like our society or culture as a whole, um, you see it all the time, like stay away from these types of foods, you know, only eat these types of foods, you know, with social media being, um, so heavily populated these days. And, you know, with everybody kind of scrolling through Instagram all the time, you see all these, like what I eat in a day videos, you see, um, all these, like, you know, terms like clean eating, um, macro counting the bodybuilding community, um, just so many different types of messages as to what is the healthiest diet, what's what you shouldn't be eating. And, I think many people just really get confused as to how they should be eating. And so they compare themselves to all these different types of things. And I I really do feel that this does keep people from their own intuition because you're getting all these different types of messages that um, even just like 10, 20 years ago were not as prevalent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because diet culture is always changing and, you know, the the ideal body standard is always changing too. And like, we see it from how it was 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, the ideal body is changing and we're expected to, you know, pursue that and keep up with it. And I think it's just leading to even worse disordered eating habits that we're, we're really normalizing. Um, so I know like speaking of social media, a lot of the times, On social media, people might think that, you know, intuitive eating is just kind of, I guess, an excuse to be unhealthy, which is a total misconception. So can you um, dive into that and like talk about the other misconceptions of intuitive eating and why it's actually the healthiest option for you? And, you know, intuitive eaters are focused on their health. It's just not through dieting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, ugh. I cannot tell you how many messages I've received from people like the comments um, saying kind of like, I don't know if you've heard this expression, but if you post on social media that you like oranges, people are like, you only like oranges. um, You don't like apples. So it's kind of like the same scenario of like, whenever I post something about intuitive eating, people really do get that misconception as to what it truly is. And, you know, intuitive eating very much so is a way to approach nutrition in a healthful way. You know, it's not anti-health, it's not anti-movement, it's not encouraging people to binge eat, it's not, you know, encouraging people to consume excess excess sugar. It's really a way of approaching nutrition in a more neutral stance. That again, there's no rules, there's no um 
I guess, this obsession with trying to be the perfect eater. It's more just like, how can we approach nutrition in a way that's going to better serve you on a day-to-day basis? I mean, yes, yes, we do consider, you know, eating fruits and vegetables, but should we only be consuming fruits and vegetables? Probably not. Um, So I definitely like to, you know, use that and teach my clients as well how to approach nutrition in a way that is going to benefit them um, so they can really feel their best physically and mentally. And yes, there is, you know, some ways that we can add nutrition into that, but again, it shouldn't be all you think about all day. And, you know, intuitive eating again, is not a way, it's not like a free for all to just like go into your cabinets and say, I'm going to eat 10 cookies because it's what I'm, it's what I want. But we're also not considering the fact that like, maybe you're physically not going to feel too well if you do that every single day. And so that's something that I, I like to cover first thing. Yeah. And I mean, that even, you know, goes back to what we were saying about, you know, gentle nutrition and how that's kind of the last thing that, that we approach because yeah, a lot of people do think, oh, intuitive eating is just, you know, a free for all. And if that was the case, then we wouldn't be, you know, feeling our fullness. We wouldn't be finding our satisfaction factor. And there's, there's just so much to intuitive eating that like, I keep learning as well, talking to, you know, people like you, that the journey is really just so unique to each person and kind of, I guess the diet rules that they've held on to, um, a lot harder than other people, because I feel like everyone, you know, obviously everyone has their own struggle, but especially with diet culture, I feel like there's certain things that, that we hold on to that, um, can really get in the way of our intuitive eating journey. Yeah. And to add to that too, I think it's very important to also remember that when you are learning about intuitive eating and you're kind of giving up that diet mentality and you're starting to give yourself more permission with food, there definitely is like a phase that many people go through of like feeling out of control of food. You know, there is that permission stage. I like to call it where food does feel like it's this, um, something that you do want to give yourself permission to eat all the time. I definitely have gone through this phase myself and, you know, pretty much every single one of my clients also goes through this phase and it's, it's usually what makes people feel like intuitive eating is not for them because they feel like, well, whenever I do start to give myself permission with food, I, I can't control myself. And, you know, that's often what keeps people from taking the next steps towards intuitive eating. And what keeps people going back into the diet is because of that fear. But it's something that, um, you know, it is what I coach people through, but it is something that you kind of have to really push yourself to stick it out until the end, because after that permission stage and after food kind of loses its thrill, you are going to be able to approach intuitive eating in a more kind of like settled state. I like how you said that food will lose its thrill because that's so true. And I think that's kind of one of the best parts about intuitive eating is realizing that you you can eat whatever you want, but once everything isn't like, once things aren't off limits, you realize you actually don't want everything. And, you know, it, it's so great and it's so empowering, but you know, it, it definitely takes time, especially because you have to learn 
how to trust your body. And that's something that so many of us forget and we lose and we lose it. And we just don't know how to do it. Mm. Yeah. So what's your journey been, um, with intuitive eating? Like what, what got you into it? And, um, I guess what, what's kind of been your experience with it so far? Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my little journey is definitely a long one. Um, so when I was younger, I struggled with my own relationship with food, you know, dealing with eating disorders and, you know, transitioning to like orthorexia and then being, I guess, transitioning to macro counting and kind of getting to the point where I was just, I had to be honest with myself, you know, I'm I'm fed up with like the way that I'm choosing to live my life. And I realized how much food and exercise were controlling my life. And so that's kind of when I said, you know what, I need to change. And I know it's not going to be fun or easy, but I really need to learn how to listen to my body and stop letting food control me this way. And so I started to take the steps towards, you know, just, I, I honestly just kind of stopped tracking like cold Turkey, which I know is like not really easy for a lot of people, but I'm just like, you know what, I'm not going to weigh my food. I'm not going to like throw out my food scale. I'm just going to focus on eating as much as I need to, to restore my health and get my body back to a place where food isn't on my mind all the time. And this was a really hard process to go through, not going to lie, but it did bring me back to my body's natural set point weight. Um, I did have to gain a lot of weight during this process. And, you know, at the end of the day, I started to realize that, you know what, food's really not that scary. And, you know, my body actually can, like, I can trust my body after all. Like I started to notice that a lot of my mental hunger started to go down as a result of just fueling my body with the food that it was not getting before. And, you know, food stopped being the number one thing in my day where I was always looking forward to. It just became like, oh, it's, it's like another meal time. It's not something that I was like fixating on as I was eating like my current meal. And so, you know, for anybody kind of going through this process, just know that like, it is worth it at the end of the day. Like it is worth it because you really do gain so much more back in your life. And, you know, food starts to just kind of be food after a while. And yeah, I mean, obviously I'm still like very much so a foodie. I love food. I love, you know, going out to eat with friends. However, it's not something that takes up majority of my day anymore. Uh, Yeah, I can relate to a lot that you said, a lot of the things I struggled with as well, like orthorexia, macro counting, all that stuff. And it's funny because I... I love food. I definitely call myself a foodie. And I used to think that was honestly like a character flaw. Like I used to think that meant something was wrong with me that I enjoyed trying new restaurants and I enjoyed going out to eat. And I also used to think that that was something that would get in the way of my health and fitness goals. And it shouldn't be. And I think that's something that's so awesome about intuitive eating is that you can approach holidays or birthdays or going out to eat on like a Wednesday and not be stressed about it. Cause that was something that caused me a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. If I knew we were going out to a restaurant or a Mexican restaurant that had all you can eat chips, I was like, Oh no game over. And, you know, in the beginning, like you said, it's intuitive eating is hard because you don't trust your body. Um, and you have all these food rules and you feel out of control, 
But I mean, I think that's probably one of my favorite things about intuitive eating is things like weekends, holidays, parties, vacations, stuff like that doesn't stress me out anymore. And I can live my life. And I think that's why diets fail. I truly believe that's why diets fail because they don't take into consideration weekends, birthdays, events, all this stuff. They want you to have that all or nothing mentality. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you brought up the all or nothing mentality, because that's definitely something that I've had a lot of clients struggle with. And we have to really blame the diets for that, because again, it kind of makes you feel like you need to be eating like quotes perfectly throughout the week. So you can just like enjoy the weekend and kind of, it kind of, you kind of develop that. Like I've earned this food because I've been so good. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's not, that's not a good mindset to have because you're kind of setting yourself up for binging. You're setting yourself up for feeling out of control of food. And like, it just becomes a really toxic cycle to be in. Oh, I, I hate that. I hate when people say, and I mean, I used to say it too, but I hate when people say like, oh, I I've earned, I've earned this food or I have to earn it, or I'm going to have to burn this off later in the gym. Like that is so unhealthy, such a horrible mentality. And it's literally just diet culture that they've taught us this because I know that back in the day when they were, you know, hunting their meat and gathering their berries. They weren't like, Oh my gosh, I'm so full. I'm going to have to burn this off later. Like no one used to say that. No. Yeah. It's, it's so frustrating. So what do you think some of the, um, like some of the top, I guess, disordered eating thoughts or like diet culture rules that there are, do we need to really, um, stop saying or thinking about or using in order to really prepare ourselves mentally for this intuitive eating journey. I know for me, one of my biggest things is, you know, stop labeling foods as good and bad because food has no moral value. Um, I was even at the um, gym the other day, we went to a gym that we don't normally go to and they had personal trainers had their little whiteboard and they said like, do you, the difference between good carbs and bad carbs. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, the fact that the personal trainers are teaching people that, white rice is bad and brown rice is good. And that is, uh, that's so, so not true. So what, what other, um, I guess diet myths and stuff do we really need to debunk? Oh my gosh. There's so many, so many, like I literally have a whole section on this in my course because I'm like, (laughs) I just go off for about 20 minutes talking about all the myths and why they're wrong. But however, (laughs) I definitely would love for people to kind of get away from obviously that good or bad food mindset, but like having cheat days, oh my gosh, that just needs to just go. Like we need to stop doing that because again, kind of like what we talked about, it's like, you can't kind of have this mindset that there's like this one day a week where you can have this like all out day because again, and I've had even clients say that like, they've tried to shift away from this, but they still kind of do it. And it's like, we need to kind of, you know, practice that having more of those things that you tell yourself you can only have on cheat days throughout the week. You know, it shouldn't be this like one day because again, you're setting yourself up for feeling out of control with food. Um, the, I guess I also really hate the fact that like people demonize things like sugar. Like, again, I'm not saying go out and like eat sugar all day. However, when it comes to like the six grams of sugar that's in your yogurt, people are literally stressing out about that. Like that's how bad um, this has become for a lot of people. And it's like, 
again, how much of that, I guess, are you letting consume your day? Are you worried about the six grams of sugar in your yogurt or, you know, like what other things could you actually be, you know, fixating on during the day rather than like that? So little things like that. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because people will, you know, stress out about, you know, the six grams of sugar in their yogurt. But then when it comes to their, their cheat day, they're having like 17, 17 cupcakes and it's okay because it, it doesn't count. It's my cheat meal. And once again, goes back to that all or nothing mentality of like, people really think that because it's your cheat day or your cheat meal, that these things don't count. And normally when you're having a cheat meal or a cheat day, you stop enjoying it after probably the first, first part of your meal, or maybe the first meal of the day, all these things you stop enjoying. And then, then what's the point if you're not, if you're not enjoying the food, you know? Yeah. And then let alone also just like the feelings that come after those days, like many people just don't feel good. Like physically they feel like, you know, mentally not well, they feel like ashamed. They like, why did I do this to myself? And it's like, is that something that you want to continue to do the rest of your life? Like, do you, and also to consider that your relationship with food does affect other people. Like it may not seem like it, but the way that you approach food does affect people around you, especially like children. Like, I mean, I I've heard so many people say that they grew up in households where their mom was always dieting, um, only eating certain foods, not eating birthday cake that was on their birthdays. And it's like, I think that's a really good reason to, you know, focus on healing your own relationship with food. Just knowing that like, when you start setting more healthier examples towards your children or just other people that may, you know, be your friends, your family, you're benefiting them as well. So it's kind of a win-win. Yeah, that's, that's so true. We can totally change like the, like the projection of this, this next generation, because yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of us can think of times that maybe our mom or some other um, older figure in our life, you know, looked in the mirror and had a negative comment about their body and, and still now, and we, we can stop that. And it's going to be hard, but it's going to be so worth it because no one wants their daughter, you know, looking in the mirror at five years old, you know, grabbing their, their love handles and saying like, oh, mommy, why do I look like this? Like that's heartbreaking, but we're okay with doing it to ourselves. And it doesn't work like that. We have to lead by example. Yeah, no, exactly. And like, I have conversations with my mom all the time and she knows exactly like what I went through. And it's like, to me, it's like, I don't know if it's just like a generational thing, but I don't feel like she truly understands like how the way that she kind of talks about her body really, it used to really affect me to the point where I, you know, it didn't really, you know, do well for me. However, now that I'm older and now that I've kind of developed my own, just like healthy relationship with my body, I'm just like, I try to tell her like, you know, mom, you need to stop being so hard on yourself because you know, years ago, this would have really affected me. And I don't really, you know, see the point of like beating yourself up for how your body has changed because I love you just the same. Oh my gosh. Yes. I can, I can completely relate to that. It's, I think it's so good when you have that healthier relationship with yourself and food, because just like you, now that I'm older as well, some of the things that I know my mom says as well can normally, you know, be a little triggering too. And that's how they were raised, mm-hmm. you know, and it might be little small comments, but you know, if we, if we arm ourselves correctly, then we don't have to, 
you know, the stuff like that does not have to be triggering for us. And, and then we can lead by example for the next generation. So, you know, two, two great reasons why we should, you know, three great reasons why we should heal our relationship with food, mm-hmm. um, you know, for older generation ourselves and the younger generation. Um, my last question for you, like about intuitive eating, um, is I know a lot of like, I see stuff on Instagram and stuff about, um, cleanses and detoxes. And I, that's one of the things that (laughs) makes me want to punch someone in the face. Um, but can you just explain why, first of all, that's a big no, no, but second of all, why people need to step into this intuitive eating journey, not thinking they have to like prepare for it. You know, a lot of people will be like, okay, well I'll do that, but I want to start fresh. I want to go through this cleanse or this detox, get all the bad stuff out of my body so I can do this right. And that is not how you're supposed to approach intuitive eating. But I hear so many people say that before they start something new, I guess. Yeah. Which makes sense. You know, if you are coming from years of diets that you feel like you need to always start over before you start something new. However, we need to make it very clear that again, intuitive eating is not a diet. It is your, your ticket out of dieting. And so there's no preparing for it. Like, obviously do not do a juice cleanse, save your money. Don't save your mental health. Don't do it. It's just, it's a scam. And you know, your body does not need a detox because your body does that all on its own on a daily basis. Like this is why we have a liver. We have kidneys for that. Your body doesn't need to be flushed out. If you need to be flushed out, you just probably need to go to the bathroom, but (laughs) you don't, you do not need to be doing a detox because again, intuitive eating will be a way that you find yourself back to health without you having to actively try or again, commit to, um, what dieting has done to you. So just consider that like your body does not need another diet. It really just needs your time and attention to truly start caring for it. Yeah. I like that. You said, you know, intuitive eatings, your ticket out of dieting and detoxing and cleanses. is just another, another myth that diet culture has taught us. So thanks for, for clarifying that. Do you have any like words of wisdom or encouragement for those who are maybe just starting their intuitive eating journey, or maybe they're not sure if they should, and you know, they're a little nervous. Yeah. You know, I give anybody who, you know, takes on this journey so much credit because I definitely have been there and I know it's a really scary step to take, but I promise you somebody who's been an intuitive eater for like two to three years now, it is so worth it. And you're going to gain so much back from this process. So even during the times where you feel like giving up, where you feel triggered, just always remind yourself of why you need to do this for yourself. You know, that is something that I always like to make very clear to whenever I start with a new client is like, you have to be very clear about what your reasons to recover from this is. And once you kind of keep that on the forefront of your mind all the time, it kind of gives you something to work towards. It's like, I want to be able to go out to eat with my friends on a Friday night and enjoy it and not feel like I've done something wrong for it. Um, I want to be able to enjoy the holidays without stressing out about it every single year. Um, and, you know, think about like how you want the rest of your life to be like, you know, do you want it to be truly spent at constant war with your body and food, or do you want it to be spent actually like making memories and, you know, having all these experiences 
And so, you know, for anybody who's, you know, feeling frustrated with this, or maybe you've tried it intuitive eating a couple of times, like that's why there's dietitians like me to help you through the process. So, you know, feel free to always like reach out to me as well. I'd love to help anybody. Yeah. So where can our listeners find you and connect with you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It will be Emmy's Yummies. So it's basically exactly how it's spelled, how it sounds. And then you can also find me on my website, which I'm not sure if you can put in the show notes or should I? Yeah. You can find yeah, me on so- as well. Okay. Yeah. I'll put your Instagram handle and your website in the show notes so people can reach out to you and connect with you. But thank you again so much, Emily, just hearing your journey and your, and your words of wisdom, I know is going to help a lot of people. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank Thanks again for having me. This was awesome. A really awesome conversation. And I look, I loved it. What a great chat. Absolutely loved talking with Emily. She gave us such good information And like I've said before, you guys, the point of this Intuitive Eating April series is to give you all the tools that you need to really take this step to start your intuitive eating journey yourselves. Because like me and Emily talked about, there's misconceptions, there's certain things you hear about intuitive eating that aren't exactly true. So if we arm you guys with everything that you need to know, um, some things to expect, and just hearing other people's journey as well, just, you know, makes you feel more prepared for your individual unique journey because everyone's journey and story is different, but all of us have come to the same conclusion that intuitive eating has really changed our lives and freed us from so much shame and guilt and obsession um, that has to do with food and diet culture and just that horrible diet mentality that's really just creeping into all of our lives and acting like it's, it's supposed to be normal and okay, and it's not. So anyways, that is it for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this talk. We still have one more week of Intuitive Eating April. If you haven't listened to the other episodes yet, please make sure to go back and listen to them. Otherwise, I will catch you in the next one. Bye.